Welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to providing effective marketing strategies for dentists, independent physicians, and multi-location medical practices. Far too many doctors struggle to establish their brand online and consistently increase their new patient appointments. Join Lamar Hull of MedRank Interactive as he interviews marketers, doctors, and healthcare professionals who share proven healthcare marketing secrets. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Lamar with MedRank Interactive. Uh, welcome to the Healthcare Digital Marketing Podcast. I have John here, and he is the founder of uh, the Movement Traffic. Uh, is, it, is it the Moving Traffic Media or Media Traffic Moving? Yeah, <laughs> Moving Traffic Media. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and I know you're you're a partner in that company. Um, mm-hmm. Been in the digital space for what 15 years, I believe. Yeah, I was actually looking this up before the podcast. It's going on 17 years now. So that's uh, <laughs> that was wow. news to me as well. <laughs> wow, wow. 17 years, man. And so you focus mostly on the digital side? Yeah, we're we're a performance marketing agency. So we focus primarily on digital acquisition, uh, SEO, paid search, content strategy, a um, little bit of display and programmatic mixed in there. But uh, mostly on the the paid media and SEO side, yeah. Gotcha, that's awesome. So can you give us a little bit of background on kind of your history um, as it relates to digital, um, you know, just any thoughts on like, just how you got from, you know, where, wherever you started to, because most people, when they get into digital, digital, they either land in it, you know, accidentally or they work for a company and they, they find passion for mm-hmm. it. Just love to learn more about how you um, started in that space. Yeah, you know, I think anyone who's been in this industry as long as probably you and I have been, it it, it probably is an accident as far as how <laughs> you ended up in here. My my case is no different. Um, I was working at a startup and uh, right out of college, and you know they needed a marketing assistant, but didn't really know, you know, how to to use me. Right. Um, and they came in one day and said, "Hey, we just started this AdWords account." And this was in like the infancy days of, of Google ads. Um, gotcha. And uh, they said, you know, see what you can do with this. So that that was what got me hooked in this space. I was fascinated by the idea that you could, you know, create um, at the time, you know, 70 characters and get someone to actually do what you wanted them to do. Like fill out oh, a yeah. or buy something. And from there, it took me to um, an agency environment where I got exposed to search engine optimization. And okay. again, it was just that, you know, immediate hook. I was fascinated by the idea that you could modify a website and content and then go to Google and see your page, like ranking on the, on the top of the page. Uh, that was fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, and from there, uh, I got an opportunity to go work with uh, Microsoft. And this was right as they were launching Bing. Okay. Um, and so I was on the... Um, uh, enterprise paid media team. So we were basically like a, what you're probably familiar with, like a Google rep. Um, yeah. So we would work with our enterprise clients and uh, basically try to help them spend more, uh, essentially what it came down to through most smart strategies. Um, and that really exposed me to uh, accounts that were spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, if not millions, um, and sort of seeing what that landscape sort of looked like. 
Right. And the, the environment on Bing back then, of course, was very different. Like you had to have almost three to five X the number of keywords to even get close to spending what you could spend on Google. So yeah. it was a very interesting time. Um, and then from there, um, uh, I went to Razorfish and was um, one of their first SEO hires in New York. Um, and prior to that, I hadn't had an actual SEO title. Okay. Uh, most of my work had been in, in paid search, but um, I had been dabbling with websites on my own. I tend to learn best just through doing. And so um was doing a lot of activity and I had sort of things that I could show in an interview. Okay. Um, and they took a chance on me. And um, I was there for about five years. By the time I left, I was leading the uh, New York SEO practice um, and uh, went to NBC um, okay. after that and took on a little bit more of like an audience growth role. Okay. And the reason that that was sort of a, a little bit of a strategic move for me was obviously like video, right? TV, right. heavily mobile focused. Um, and got me a little bit back into my paid roots as well. And um, so I got a lot of exposure to entertainment, which I hadn't had before, and um, uh, really heavy on the mobile side as well. And gotcha. basically for the, for the past, I don't know, six to seven years during that time, I'd also been freelancing as I feel like everyone in this industry does. Yep. And I had grown my freelance portfolio to... Um, a size where I was basically replacing my income. Wow. And um, I kept getting people coming in and referrals and things like that. And I was talking with my wife and I was basically like, I could walk away from NBC and do this full time and be able to take on more, um, yeah. or I would have to start turning these referrals away. And um, always loved the idea of being my own boss. And so uh, about five, six years ago, I, I took that step. Um, and that's, that's awesome. where, that's where I am now. So, uh, moving traffic media is an evolution of a good, really good friend of mine from Razorfish, um, okay. also sort of took this step right around the same time that I was, and we reconnected and, um, decided to build something together. Uh, and so that's where, um, moving traffic media sort of evolved from. And, uh, we just hit our five-year anniversary about a week ago. Congrats. So uh, yeah, awesome. it's a big milestone. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how hard was that step, right? To, to say, Hey, I'm going to transition from what I'm comfortable doing to like the unknown of, I got, I have to be successful if I'm mm -hmm. going to still pay my bills and take care of my family. And, and then yeah. also just, you know, when I think about my, my situation, very similar to yours, it was, I don't want to go back to corporate America or I, I want to make sure that I create something that's, you know, that that's a legacy or, or, you know, that can impact, others outside of me just showing up, you know, you know, nine to five. So yeah. how, like how hard was that to, to make that decision? You know, it, it was a, it was a big decision. We had um, um, just had our, our first daughter um, or I guess our only daughter. Um, and so, you know, the level of uh, risk was that much higher. Right. Um, and so it was a lot of, discussion, um, a lot of sort of planning out, but I have to say the, the ability to walk away with sort of already having a, a strong portfolio of clients really made the decision, I think much easier. Gotcha. Um, had it been something where I would need to step away and build from scratch in, in that particular 
situation, I may have not done it. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of looked at my wife and said, if I don't do it now, when, are, when am I going to do it? <laughs> I'm never going to do it. And then I'll always wonder, right. Which is almost worse than right. trying something and failing, I think. Yep. So, um, you know, took that, took that step and, you know, here we are. That's awesome. And just out of curiosity was, did you focus more of your freelancing time on Upwork or some of these other platforms? Um, other platforms being right, Upwork. Uh, have you heard of Upwork? Oh, well? Upwork. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Sorry, I, I missed that word. Um, um, no, I didn't really use Upwork that much. Um, so it was more you know, like, like, like friends referring business to you, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I made a lot. I think because of the places that I was fortunate enough to work at and establishing good relationships there. Um. And I didn't, you know, I didn't advertise that I obviously had a side gig, but yeah, you know, you become close with people and you, know, know. you turn them down for going out on a weekend and they're like, what, why, you know, right. so it, it just comes up sort of naturally. And so when I did step away, um, I was pretty, you know, vocal on LinkedIn, you know, doing this thing and, you know, um, and so that network really sort of, um, was very kind to me in terms of anytime they heard someone who needed some help in a space that they thought I would be a good fit for, they made an introduction. Um, and that's still, you know, primarily how we've grown over the past five years as a, you know, agency together, um, sort of combining our networks, um, my business partner's name is Joe. Um, so sort of combining our networks together and really leveraging that, you know, that, um, that core base of referrals, um, which has been, uh, you know, really humbling. Uh, really, it's 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 a really nice thing. That's awesome, and um, it's glad to see you're still still moving forward. And, and it's hard to run a business uh, as an entrepreneur. There's a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to this uh, that will listen to this podcast episode. But it, it's a risk. But it's a, a a risk that you know that if you want to really impact people at the vision that you've created at that level, um, sometimes that risk has to be taken. Um, and so, it's incredibly high reward for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about marketing. You know, I know you have a, a wealth of knowledge and experience experiences in the space. So, um, you know, the, you know, most, most people who are going to listen to this podcast is, is in the healthcare space. So mm -hmm. you've seen any key regulations impacting, um, healthcare marketing in your, your opinion? Yeah. You know, I think the, the biggest challenge for all of us advertising in this space is just being, you know, HIPAA compliant mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I think the, I don't know if you'd call them well, maybe regulations, but sort of the, the oversight that the government has, um, or maybe the spotlight that the government has put on Facebook and Google and, uh, you know, some of these other platforms around privacy, um, have really caused, um, some challenges with how we used to be able to target in the past. Yeah. Um, and I think those are really where um some of the biggest challenges are in this field and just in terms of being able to target right. so you know i think a lot of what makes digital advertising successful is being able to you know determine who that audience is and then find that audience online and right. you have some key you know um data points within that audience that you can't really go after i think that's really where it, create some unique challenges for folks in this space um yeah versus you know any commerce store right um where you can just 
pretty much build audiences out of everything. Right. That's really where we've seen, you know, some of the biggest hurdles and, and roadblocks in terms of building out, you know, what those audiences look like. Um, yeah. So I think it, to your point yeah. also uh, is, I mean, Facebook's made it very hard when you run, you know, ad campaigns, right? Like you could be, you could have one word off. Uh, you could have, you know, the picture as a picture that they feel is offensive and it could be somebody mm -hmm. smiling you know with a tooth missing like for dennis for example. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> you can't resonate with your audience that way <laughs> so it's like take that down um but uh yeah you know i definitely agree like there's some and it makes it hard right to really really create content that's going to you know speak to their pain point right their issues that they have and um, I definitely, you know, to your point, I see that a lot in the kind of in the, the advertising space. Yeah. So I think, you know, and you've talked about this with some other folks on your, on your podcast in the past, but, um, really where we try to narrow in is having conversations with, um, customer service or, you know, folks who are speaking with the patients to try to understand, like, how can we talk to maybe those pain points versus having to target them? So at least we're doing some sort of pre-qualification within the text of the ad um, to try to mitigate, you know, any sort of looky-loo clicks, if you will, yeah. um, and try to retain those costs a little bit. But um, that's definitely an area that we've been trying to focus on a little bit more. Like, what is that, you know, um, that benefit or, you know, that key uh, thing that's making that person go online in the first place right. um, and, and speak directly to that. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned paid advertisement. So in, you know, in your kind of your business or working with doctors, have you seen, you know, opportunities of how to help them fully optimize their, their paid campaigns? Yes, definitely. So, you know, in the case of a, a dentist or even a, um, you know, a franchise, um, we worked with a, a large, um, um, dental network called smile brands are mostly down in the south and, and west coast um and they had you know uh, many many locations and so radius targeting was a key component of that um and a lot of that comes down to again sort of speaking with them and helping you know um dive into what they know about their customer so how far is someone willing to travel yeah um you know um and a big part of that is is testing in some cases because every every location is not going to be the same right so um building out that that testing cadence around those sorts of key data points that you can use uh yeah. to properly find um that potential target audience is a, is a key component um you know i think there are still some demographic components that you can potentially pull in um uh income range in some cases so uh, we worked with a dentist who um, uh, was kind of high profile and um, didn't take insurance, right? So, you, you know, you're, you're not necessarily targeting the everyday person looking for a dentist cleaning. Um, you're looking for someone who has disposable income, who wants, you know, a new set of veneers. Right. So are there, um, you know, things that you can call out from a demographic perspective that isn't necessarily targeting them from a HIPAA perspective? Yep. Um, but still allows you to bring in a, a more targeted customer. And then again, you layer on that location on top of that um, keyword selection. Oh yeah. Um, maybe some lookalike audiences, if you can build
build that in there. Um, those are the sorts of things that we try to do to to narrow in on that on that uh, ideal person. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, to your point of keywords, I think negative keywords are you know just as important, right? Because you know, you'll get a lot of <laughs> you know just uh, just keyword targeting that just doesn't make sense because your phrases are are set up to kind of target that specific phrase or keyword, but it, it gives you something that's totally off off topic. Um, it's an amazing point. In fact, um, because we work with some you know localized businesses, we actually have a negative keyword list um, that's all the states uh, spelled out and yeah. the abbreviations. And you know, depending on where that person is located, we'll remove that state from the negative keyword list, and we upload the rest of it. Um, right. It's a super straightforward, easy way. It's just part of our setup process for a new account. Yep. We just want to negative out any keywords that have any other state mentioned where they're not located. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not foolproof for sure, but um, right. that alone can minimize a lot of unwanted clicks uh, yeah, know, just from a simple, simple move like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How, how much do you, do you really look at Google's recommendations? Cause they'll give tons of recommendations, right? A lot of times like, Hey, you need to increase your budget. <laughs> yeah. That's I like mean, 90% of the recommendations, right? right. <laughs> exactly. But how much do you, um, do you take that into consideration? I mean, um, we look at them um, because you never know. Like we, we, everybody misses something sometimes. So it's worthwhile to just make sure. Um, and in some cases, clients will call it out like, hey, you know, I, I got an email with these recommendations or I logged in the account the other day and I see, you know, there's 10 things that they're recommending you do. Um, but I think what, you know, our point of view on that is um, Google's interests are not necessarily our interests, right? Um, meaning spend more. Um, and, um, you know, the, the goals of the campaign or the nuances to each of our clients are also unknowns for Google. Right. Um, there's a ton of opportunities with, you know, machine learning and AI and things like that. But in this particular case, we've always liked the um, ability to manually move some of those levers. Yep. And we do a lot of testing too. And a big part of testing is properly check, tracking what is being changed. So we yeah. have change log, and of course there's um, the ability to see that in Google Ads too. So um, we don't like to just click a button and do blanket changes. Um, we'd rather sort of have a little bit of a methodology behind it yeah, um, so that we can properly turn things back if we see performance tank and things like that. Um, and in some cases, our clients have good issues, which is they can't take on more new patients or take on more new leads. Right. And so even if performance is great and increasing the budget makes sense nine times out of 10, um, yep. you know, this one case, we would be sending a lot of stuff that would end up in a frustrated person because they wouldn't get a call back yeah. uh, or something like that just because the the practice is overwhelmed. So, right. um, and that could be a bad review, uh, right? At that point. Exactly. exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, this, this, uh, this company is not responsive or, you know, whatever. Um, so definitely worth reviewing for sure. Um, I would say we rarely implement though, just because we tend to have a plan and, a, um, you know, a timeline of, of what we're trying to do. 
Gotcha. Yeah. But very, we, we operate in the same fashion. Um, and so let's switch, uh, uh, let's switch gears a little bit. So talk, thinking about like websites, right? Mm-hmm. How do you help medical professionals um, really uh, create a unique site that speaks to their audience in a way where it helps separate them from the competition? It's a great question. I think um, in some cases, it's the same approach to what we would do for, you know, ad copy creation. So how do we speak to um, that key pain point from center? So the first thing they see when they land on the page is, you know, you're speaking to, you know, that primary pain point. Right. I think a couple of other things that are really, really um, helpful, um, the, the before and afters, which is a marketing tactic that is like, you know, forever old, but it's still incredibly powerful. Um, people like the ability to use the slider and see the teeth change and things like that, or just, you know, a comparison side by side of, a you know, um, uh, a, a plastic surgery implementation or something like that. So right. I think those, um, not burying those, a lot of people will put them in a separate page and stuff like that, but sort of teasing them on the homepage or on your landing pages um, yeah. are, are really helpful. Um, proof like proof points right before and afters testimonials um if you have awards you know the um top 100 you know uh doctors and things like that like those sorts of things or even local awards um that are well known um simple trust symbols like the bbb uh, logo and um all those sorts of things i think are incredibly uh powerful um and then um you know, I think in some we've worked with some clients who are, are almost afraid to ask for the conversion. Mm. Um, you know, they bury it at the bottom of the page, or they're they don't want to use a, a pop, you know an exit pop up and things like that. And there are some certain situations where that makes sense, but um, there's a reason why a lot of sites use those pop ups because they work. Oh yeah. So if you're if you're trying to get that initial piece of information, which I think again in this space is incredibly powerful because of some of the limitations around targeting, yeah. um, even if you can just get that email, um, you know it's a worthwhile tactic to consider. So um, one of the things that we found uh, be really helpful is uh, you know a navigation that's sticky, so it sort of like follows you down. Um, it may remove, you know, all the secondary navigation, like the about us and things like that, but at least it still keeps that contact button, um, you know, as it moves down the page with you. So again, at least there, there's always a point of, of opportunity to convert. Um, and then just being mobile friendly, like having the, the, the phone number that's clickable. So I can click it and call, um, that's there's nothing more annoying. Yeah. There's nothing more annoying than being on your mobile device and you can't click it. So then you're going back and forth between your 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 phone screen and your uh, and the web page trying to remember the number. Right. Um, so it's you know simple things like that. Um, and we encourage our clients to use their own website. You know, go on your mobile device, click like around. That. Like, what's what's where's their friction for you? Um, yep. And is there an easy way to fix it? Um, be surprised how many people don't you know, they're, they're just, you know, working. So most of the time they're on their desktop, which is uh, oftentimes a very different experience for uh, most people who are trying to, to, to try patients. So um, that's another opportunity, I think, just to collaborate with them in a real sort of like active session. Yeah, and no, that's, that's all great points. And I think, you know, even showcasing them sometimes with a the heat map, right? Like where mm-hmm. 
buttons way down here. You, you gotta, you see what's happening in terms of, you know, how the, the patient or the audience is interacting with your site. Um, they're not clicking because your call to actions are further down at the page or your testimonial doesn't resonate early on in the, the process of them viewing the website. So to your point, you know, being able to showcase, you know, what's actually happening on the site, I think is, is also important to kind of show the proof in the pudding. Um, but yeah, like what you said is, is exactly how you have to think about a website, right? From a mobile to a desktop, it's just different experiences and they're going down mm -hmm. different funnels. Like you can't have all your content. I know like ranking a website in Google, right? You got to have, you know, some content there that's going to, you know, rank for those targeted keywords. But if you go on the mobile site and all you have is a page of content, uh, you're going to lose, <laughs> you're going to lose a lot of people, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Small device. Um, uh, so you mentioned AI, right? And mm -hmm. it's a big topic like chat GPT and, and Google Bard and, and all these other AI tools that are, that are that are popping up. What's your take on AI and digital marketing in terms of ethical issues that, that may be happening? Um uh, like, are you worried about it? Will you use it more in your agency? Like, how do you see it play a role in, in kind of your strategies with your clients? Yeah, it's it's a million dollar question, right? Um, we, what I can say is on, on at our agency, we're trying to figure out ways to make us more efficient. Yeah. Um, I think the caveat, and every time we talk with our team, um, the caveat is, you know, don't, take the output as, uh, you know, for face value, like it has to have a, a human review. Um, it needs to be fact checked. And, you know, I think these models are progressively getting um, better and better, and they will continue to do so provided there's no le legislation against it or anything like that. Um, I think in the healthcare space, it's a, you know, it, it, there's privacy concerns for sure. Like if you're uploading customer data into these, you know, huge models, yeah. you know, where else does that get, get populated? Um, and so there's, I think, unique challenges for the healthcare space in terms of how it's used and whatnot. Um, but we are trying to figure out ways to be more efficient. So um, what's a simple use case, uh, you know, if we're doing a technical audit, or if we've been working with a client for a couple of years and we're sort of going back through a backlog of, you know, maybe mundane tasks, but now that we have some bandwidth after we've done some of the bigger projects, it makes sense for us to tackle, um, you know, maybe it's a list of 25 pages without a meta description. We just want to like check that box since we've done a lot of the other big things. Yeah. Um, so using chat GPT and, and Google Sheets and saying, um, you know, uh, kind of defining what the website is about, we need it to be this number of characters um, and sort of just here's the main keyword and just sort of like populating it down, just sort of seeing what it comes back with. Um, clients don't really want us spending hours of time building out meta descriptions. So this is a good, I think, application of the tool Yeah, where we can cover, you know, quote unquote, best practices, but um, still retain our time to spend on more strategic work. Yeah. Um, I think it's great also for ideation. You know, we do a lot of content production and um, in some cases, just getting those first couple words on the page are yeah. the biggest challenge. So um, I found um, Bard and, and ChatGPT to be great conduits of um, just being like thought starters in some cases. They're almost like your, your um, brainstorming partner. 
and yeah. trying to come up with topics, trying to build out outlines, you know, things like that. Um, and I think these are, you know, can be useful tools for folks who don't have budgets to spend on SEMrush, Ahrefs, you know, Market Muse, um, right. a lot of these other, uh, you know, tools that come with monthly subscriptions. So it's a great um, uh, application there uh, as well. Um, I think for our industry, you know, it's um, it has very uh, it has the opportunity to disrupt a lot, um, improve a lot. Yeah. Um, but um, it's really going to be interesting to see how how it evolves in the next you know couple of weeks, let alone a few months. Everything's just oh, moving yeah. so quickly. Um, <laughs> oh. So the potential, I think, the potential is extremely high. Um, but I do think they will need to solve for. Um, you know, the data that these models have been trained on. Um, I, I would expect, as do others, it sounds like that there'll be legislation around how that data is used and how do they get compensated for that and, and all those sorts of things. It's a really, you know, it's a weird, it's a, it's a challenging discussion because, you know, for the most part, that content was free for anyone to use just because it was included in Google's and now it's just being rewritten and reorganized and now, well, is it, you know, right, right. Is it unique content or is it not? And so it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, and really amazing points there. And I think too, you know, it's good for your baseline, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be your content. Like you That's still, a great way to put it. You still want to create yeah. your own unique content where uh, you can set yourself apart and have your own thoughts in there. But you you can have it's like like writing a an essay in college, right? You'll you'll find a baseline or your, your kind of your, your, your topic and your thesis and understand that aspect of it to create the actual uh, full essay um, that you're going mm -hmm. to establish. But I don't think currently how it is operating to be able to use that as your like, here's, I'm going to create a blog post and I'm just going to use AI to create the content for me because they're pulling these source, pulling all, you know, all this content from different sources. And who knows how factual it is, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> it could be, exactly. you know, something someone said. I think I just had this conversation where I think an NBA player uh, created like a, a apology letter and literally like someone uh, searched, hey, how to create an apology letter. And his apology letter came up, but they didn't understand no way. behind what he actually did. <laughs> <grew. laughs> That's like, crazy. Yeah, hope they don't use apology <laughs> later because it was talking about like it's job Morant. He like he was using guns, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Talking about like guns and the in the. In oh the, my gosh! Produce, but but yeah. Um, well, John, I one, go ahead. What one one way that um you know as a practitioner you know you could consider using ChatGPT. Um, I don't know if uh if a lot of folks are listening kind of familiar with um like eat. Right, like expertise, authoritative, and trustworthiness, et cetera. Um, you know, taking your bio and just sort of dropping it in there and saying, you know, hey, uh, rewrite my bio to emphasize the principles of E. Right. Um, that's actually been really enlightening. Um, you know, and uh, that's a really simple way to to give your your bio a, a nice little upgrade. Um, yep. So that that's one way that you could use it in a pretty straightforward sense because it's sort of using you know something about you already and just sort of re rewording it yeah um, so that, that's a that's an easy tip 
Yeah. And then I love that because you can then see how legit it is, right? With what, what you're getting back. And I'm sure they'll give you <laughs> exactly. multiple var variations of that. But um, I really, yeah, I like that idea for sure. Um, let, I guess any last final thoughts, let's say, you know, uh, a doctor, dentist, or even entrepreneurs in the marketing space or just marketers in general, any, any last thoughts of just, you know, how you view this, this digital marketing industry and where we're going or, just any closing thoughts that can help. I mean, we can even take it to to the point of helping entrepreneurs make that decision of starting their own agency. Um, I just, I guess, any final thoughts you would love for um, to leave with their audience? Yeah, um, you know, I think um, I'll, I'll reference AI again. I think uh, I think AI is here to stay for sure. Um, I think it'll become more useful and pervasive as people, you know, build on it. Um, and so one of the areas that I've been encouraging my team, and if you're new to digital marketing or even if you've been in, in this, in the space for a while, I think one thing that's really useful for all of us, um, is to really dig into how to properly prompt the AI tools to get the best output. Um, it's very similar to anything you do in digital marketing, really. It's, you know, the, the planning and the, um, input will define typically what the output is. Right. And so one of the ways that I've been playing around with AI more and more is trying to understand better how to actually prompt it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, the short sort of simple question is typically the more general response you get back when you start building out paragraphs with specific requirements or even asking ChatGPT to act as a prompt engineer and, yeah. um, you know, to rewrite my question as a prompt engineer would, and then suggest ways to improve it. That's been the output from that exercise has been, um, significantly better. So I think all of us in this space really need to, you know, if you want to not be left behind essentially is really learn how to better utilize these tools because those um you know I, I think that people who who learn how to leverage them uh properly are going to be the ones that will you know stick around and and um you know be able to keep up with the times because it's definitely moving at a breakneck pace yeah um so that's definitely where i would encourage you know all entrepreneurs doctors even you know just sort of understand like what these tools can do yeah. um and um really focus on the the initial prompt because that's going to de define sort of what you get out of it yeah that's so powerful uh, thank you for sharing that and uh i guess if let's just say someone who wants to reach out to you or even the type of clients you guys like to work with what does mm -hmm. that look like for, for you guys yeah you can find me on twitter uh john lee clark j-o-n-l-e-e-c-l-a-r-k um you can find us on our website movingtrafficmedia.com um, or uh, you can email me as well, John, J-O-N, at movingtrafficmedia.com. Um, and, you know, we work a lot with uh, healthcare finance, basically regulated industries, um, and uh, have very, very deep experience in, in those verticals. And, um, you know, if you're looking for uh, opportunities or looking for a change or looking to, to grow your practice, uh, we'd definitely be happy to, to, to talk and learn more about how we might be able to partner together. Awesome. And the last question, is there like an assessment? Like if, if someone contacts you, right, do, do you give them some type of assessment, say, hey, here's here's the historical marketing performance or here's how things look for you? 
just curious of, of how you can engage with them. Yeah, we start, um, you know, again, historical data is, is gold. So we typically start with audits, whether it's a, you know, Google ads campaign or SEO program. And that is designed to, um, build out a framework for how we grow together, you know, as soon as possible. So, you know, when we worked at bigger agencies, you wouldn't actually get any output until, you know, like month three or four. Um, we sort of developed this process because that's kind of crazy. Um, and so we want to hit the ground running with actionable next steps within the first two to three weeks. Um, and so that's, that's typically how we approach each project. Uh, and again, they're all designed to lay the foundation, fix areas of opportunity and, and put a growth plan together. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And we will include um, all of John's information um, in the show notes. Um, again, this is John with Moving Traffic Media. I'm Lamar with MedRank Interactive. Um, this is a healthcare digital marketing podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, John. Thank you.